Hello and welcome to an experimental episode of the Interactives podcast. We've decided it might be a cool idea to try and do a more daily sort of presence, focusing on the social media news of the day, just to be a, uh, an avenue for all of your social media news needs. So without further ado, I'll start by outlining our stories. The ITV today have published an article about the social media utility in combating the spread of fake news around the coronavirus. There was an article in The Drum, noted marketing, marketing website, about the banner ads, their effectiveness or lack thereof in recent years. Huffington Post wrote an article about kicking extremists off Twitter and deplatforming them and how effective that is or isn't. Campaignsandelections.com have written an article called A Tale of Two Social Media Strategies about two presidential hopefuls and the differences in their social media campaigns and what that might mean. And finally, Social Media Today, which is a great resource, have written an article called Activist Investor Group Buys Up Twitter Stock Seeks to Oust CEO Jack Dorsey. Uh, that's a story about a Elliott Management, a investor firm with connections to the Republican Party, is buying up stocks in Twitter and what that might or might not mean. So without further ado, I'll jump straight into our first article for today. The ITV news story about social media uh, tackling fake news around the coronavirus. It focuses on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook is actively attempting to remove posts that promote dangerous conspiracy theories, such as false suggestions that drinking bleach cures the virus. Uh, this is a big step for Facebook because they have been accused in the past of not being proactive enough at halting the spread of fake news. The head of health for Facebook uh, has been quoted as saying, this includes claims related to false cures or prevention methods, like drinking bleach cures the coronavirus, or claims that create confusion about health resources that are available. Considering how many people are getting their news off Facebook, this is definitely a very, very smart idea, and I'm, I hope to see more of it, honestly. It's, it's probably likely in this instance because it's not something that's, I guess, overtly political, and I think it would be an interesting challenge to see how Facebook deals with something that might be a bit more politically charged but that remains to be seen. Twitter is taking steps to combat the spread of misinformation by promoting um, official, official uh, tw uh, Twitter accounts of departments of health and services in different countries. And yeah, that seems to be a clever way to utilize the fact that they have control over the search, search engines and the algorithms and stuff. Twitter's, to my mind, generally been better about the spread of fake news, but maybe that's just my own biases coming to play, honestly. But yeah. Uh, on to our next article. On banner ads in the drum. Why aren't banner ads as effective anymore? They cite basically three main reasons. Essentially, it goes through how they were successful to begin with and how they have fallen from grace in recent years. Uh, it talks about self-fulfilling prophecy, about banner ads not being successful, an oddly self-perpetuating article this. Self-fulfilling in the sense that if we think that banner ads don't work, we don't invest any money into making them work and therefore they work even less. Honestly, there's a, a lot of uh, innovations uh, go, go by that wayside and that maybe they could have been salvaged, but would it have been worth the risk? Honestly, I hate banner ads and I don't ever use them, so I think it was potentially a smart idea to ditch them. 
Um, since things, it cites things like um, ad blockers and stuff, and how generally internet users are a bit more savvy than they used to be. Apparently, inadequate checks by marketeers um, leads to bad placements and uh, not utilizing the data they have at their fingertips is causing things like metal music ads to appear at the top of country music articles and stuff like that. Even, in, indeed, it refers to a worst case scenario where an advert might even contradict or offend when viewed alongside the core page content, which as a journalist, it's very important to know that sometimes when you put two images next to each other, um, occasionally the, the context that that creates is not what you're aiming for. Uh, finally, it cites the last thing being just that other, other avenues are so much better, so a highly targeted, they're more able to use outdoor advertising, TV and streaming services, sponsored content. In, I mean, uh, when we talk about the social media strategies, uh, that's particularly going to come into play. But it cites particularly Facebook and YouTube ads as being huge in that, in that particular field and, and a big reason for why banner ads are failing. And I mean, it says that banner ads still have a certain amount of success. They're still good at maintaining a brand presence and stuff like that. So. Well, that's good. I think, it, I think it's too often can we throw things to the wayside without considering the knock-on effects they might have. And I mean, hopefully they're cheaper because they aren't as effective, but I, I don't think that means we should throw them away completely because like I said, brand recognition is very, very important. It cites a potential solution for banner ads, which is to take the model of the YouTube video ad in that you only have to pay for the ad if it works, which I think makes sense, I guess, because if, if the ad doesn't work, um, basically, in its current form, uh, banner ads, you pay for them outright and you pay for them as a block no matter how effective they are. If they are forced to be made effective, because otherwise the, the creators of the banner ads aren't making any money, then there's obviously a massive incentive for them to produce, uh, produce, produce uh, well-performing content, anyway. And that's what it says in this article, but yeah, basically the thrust being if we want to revive the banner ad format, potentially a, a wise idea is to do this um, you only pay if you succeed uh, sort of format. Honestly, it's bizarre that they didn't do that before, but then I didn't, I didn't know that's how Facebook ads work. So, interesting article. Huffington Post next, about the efficacy of kicking off far-right extremists. This is Huffington Post UK. It talks about Tommy Robinson specifically and how his being banned from Twitter has worked much to the, I suppose the, the, the theory is with, with people in these groups is that uh, there'll be some sort of some swelling of, of discontent towards the platforms for censoring in this way. But generally, uh, the article seems to suggest that that doesn't happen. Yaxley Lennon attracted more than 10,000 supporters of his free Tommy demonstrations back when he was on Twitter. But then, since he's being deplatformed, de a little more than a few hundred. So he's certainly being moved away from the public eye. I mean, and it makes sense. You'd imagine deplatforming does indeed work. It cites at the end of the article a need to balance um, freedom of speech. I think that's an interesting one because I think social media is entering an interesting territory where freedom of speech applies to governments. It's the government's right to secure your, your ability to speak, but it, it doesn't apply to private companies, at least not as far as I've seen. Um, the report. It is commenting on suggests that Tommy Robinson's ban from Twitter has undoubtedly been a, a key factor in the decline of Britain first as a dangerous force in the UK. 
which is, I mean, I'm glad. It does cite, however, that Telegram in particular should take action against these far-right groups organizing on their platform, apparently citing a, 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 a different name it's called under as Terragram, uh, where illegal content is uh, being shared on almost an hourly basis. Well, of course, because the only people flocking to those sites are the people who want access to that sort of information. So, But I don't think there's anything you can do about that, honestly. I think that as long as there's a market for it, sadly, there, I don't... I think there always will be. The best that we can hope is that they get pushed onto platforms that are small and not getting bigger and not utilising these huge platforms, um, sort of infiltrating into the normal public, public zeitgeist and debate. Final story, I believe. No, second last story we'll be looking at is the tale of two social media strategies. It's just basically an interesting look into the the different ways one can use social media. From the Trump campaign, being particularly intelligent with their use of uh, audience demographics and analytics, and how that obviously has worked very well for them. I mean, he's the president, and how Democrats across their country are seeking to emulate the same sort of um, success. Uh, Tom Steyer, in particular, spent a large, large sum of money, millions, in his attempt to make the debate stage early on in the primary. And he made the debate stage, but as soon as he reached the donor threshold cap, he didn't have any grassroots support because all of his um, support was uh, centered online on things that he had sponsored content, sponsored advertisement. The other thing it looks at is how Bloomberg is using the system. Um, he's paying influencers to support him and the hope that these influencers will, well, influence their followers to support Bloomberg himself. Uh, and talks about how he's getting around the donor, the, the cap spent on, not the donor cap, the cap spent on advertisements by paying these influencers directly from his own pocket rather than through a campaign raising group, which is an interesting subversion of the rules of Twitter. And I think that it's unprecedented. So I think that Twitter is probably going to have to change the way it moderates on that level because clearly it's open to abuse by someone with a large sum of money, such as Michael, Michael Bloomberg. Uh, and now, finally, on to our last article. The activist investor uh, speaking of Twitter, Twitter is potentially being bought out by Elliott Management Corp, an investment firm that has acquired $1 billion worth of Twitter shares, which means it has a sizable stake, but it's not close to controlling the company. They have, however, expressed an interest in no nominating board members to hopefully pressure Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, to leave. Uh, this was summarized in a Vox article. Uh, I think it's, it's interesting because their essential purpose is that they want someone who can help Twitter grow, which is fair enough because the CEO of Twitter has many other projects that he's managing and can't really focus on Twitter itself. I can understand that justification. Uh, the hopes that Twitter's stock will go up after the uh, CEO Jack Dorsey leaves. Um, 
But then there's also something slightly seedier about Elliott Management being a Republican mega-donor. The founder is a Republican mega-donor, Paul Singer, who was initially opposed to Donald Trump, but has since become a supporter for the sake of unification and moving forward. Um, there is a suggestion that Elliott Management could be, and this is all speculative uh, in the article, could be looking to take over Twitter and use it as a political weapon. It's generating discussion, however, I, 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 it, it's inconclusive as to whether or not this is a genuine threat. It's, it's probably far more likely that Elliott Management wants a lot of money. I mean, it's Elliott Management, and they aren't unheard of, they are a political activist group, they're, they're, sorry, an activist investing group, not a political activist group, to make that clear. It wouldn't be unheard of for them to change the company once they made it in, but it seems unlikely that this is for anything other than just the amount of money they could be making off Twitter. I mean, it's one of the largest social medias in the world. I really should know what rank it is, but certainly it's the, it's the one that I use the most. And if, if a huge investment management fund thinks they can make a lot of money off of it, it's probably more likely, you know, Occam's razor, that they want to make a lot of money off of it. It'd be an, it's an interesting one to keep your eye on to see how these things change, because often this is how change like this can sneak in, is when you just assume that people have good intentions when they sometimes don't. But I'll keep an eye on that story and see how it goes. And that's all for today. I hope this format has been interesting, insightful, uh, helpful to you, the listeners at home. Uh, if you'd like more, just follow us on Twitter and, and comment on the, on the recent change in form. We will still, of course, be doing the interviews, but in the interest of brand presence, as it were, to, to take off the mask for a second, um, yeah, we, we considered it to be a good idea to do something a bit more uh, serialized and iterative. Um, so that's this series. Um, some A little bit of plugging to do. If you could follow our social media accounts, we have a Twitter, we have an Instagram, we have a Facebook, all of the main three. But we also have a TikTok. Um, there are lots of interactives that are particularly enamored with TikTok. So if you have TikTok, I don't. But if you do, then, you know, shoot us a follow. I'm sure that I'm sure that James, our TikTok guy, would very much appreciate that. Um, we're going to be publishing these podcast episodes, or some of them anyway, onto YouTube. So if you know anyone that hates podcasts but loves YouTube because it's a huge market, then direct them our way if you think they'll be that, their cup of tea. We're going to be publishing many, many more articles, hopefully, in the coming, coming three weeks. Uh, I myself, I have an article planning on... on Dropout TV and College Humor and how uh, creating your own proprietary streaming service can work and cannot, which I'm very excited about. Uh, there are tons of other articles on there. Uh, James, the TikTok head, has written an article about how to write a good journalistic CV. Joanna's written one about de-jargonizing coding for journalists. There's plenty on there and there's going to be plenty more. So if you get the time, give us a read on there. And as always, Keep tuned in on your podcasting feeds and now on YouTube, hopefully, 
um, I'm doing all the video editing myself, so we'll see how that goes. Um, keep tuned in, keep listening, and I will see you, or rather hear from you, in the not-too-distant future. Thank you very much, and see you around. Goodbye.